All right, Buzz Buzz, ladies and gentlemen, you are back for another episode of Blake's Buzz. You know what we do here? We talk to cool people about cooler comics. And tonight I've got Charlie Stickney. That name may ring a bell because he's involved in a lot of stuff at Scout. And he's also writing one of the greatest <laughs> fantasy comics that I have come across by the title of White Ash. Charlie, how you doing tonight, sir? Well, with that intro, I'm doing really well. <laughs> you, know, you, you can't ask for much more from a hype person. You know, when you come on a show, if you get something like that, when you hear one of the greatest and is associated with you, you know, like a, you're either looking over his shoulder to make sure there's not another guest coming in. But if it's you, you're like, I, I, I'm, I'm all in. So, so I'm here and I'm excited. All right, man. Well, that's, I, I'm excited too. I am. I always see, uh, I, I always know like I'm in a good place because I'm really into Kickstarters lately and I follow you on Kickstarter and, and I'll notice either, either you'll back something after I do, or, or I'll get like the email notification saying like, Oh, by the way, Charlie backed this. And I'll be like, well, I guess that's a smart bet. Um, so I, I always know like I'm in a good Kickstarter place when I see your name on there. Uh, cause you just, I mean, you back a lot of Kickstarters, man. Like you're, well, what's well, your what's because, your number at? Your number's got to be like uh, astronomical. It's five six hundred somewhere in there. <laughs> um, you know, like, like the the truth is, like um, you know, for for those people who who know I who I am, um, you know, I, I'm I'm or who don't, I'm the co publisher over at Scout Comics, um, but I'm also a, a writer, a creator, uh, and and I came up through Kickstarter. Uh, like that's where I you know I. Before uh, comics, I had worked in animation. I had worked in some feature film, um, but I'd always wanted to kind of do comics. When I was in college, I interned at Marvel and I was okay. planning to go into comics. And then I got a job offer out in Los Angeles to, to work in the film industry. And so I was like, okay, I'll just do this for a couple of years. And then time went by really quickly. And all of a sudden I was like, you know what? You know, I have the book that I want to do as a comic. And for my time in animation, um, I, I knew some people and, and we talked and, and, you know, together we found this amazing artist, Connor Hughes, and I put together Finn Cram as part of the team. Um, and, and then I was trying to think, do I want to take it to a publisher? Do I, you know, what do I want to do? And this was, this was about three to four years ago before I think Kickstarter had become Kickstarter, mm -hmm. a real place for independent comics. And it was a little bit more of the wild west where there were some great books and there were some terrible books. But, you know, I don't think people had looked at it as a legitimate place to do comics at that time. Um, and so, you know, I, I brought White Ash there because I wanted to have options. And I think, you know, when you are a new creator, and I'm just speaking to anybody, when you're trying to make a comic, you know, it's often about the money and how much money do you have to put into it. So, you know, that pre-selects sometimes a group of people with privilege who tell a certain type of story because they have the money to invest in making a comic because they can be expensive. Well, Kickstarter kind of leveled that playing field because you're not looking for a publisher to front you the money. You don't have to be in that position of privilege to do it. You know, there's a way to get money on Kickstarter and basically just directly connect with your fans. So like for me, Charlie, from three or four years ago, I was looking at the publishing you know, space and I was like, if I want to get into this, you know, I want to make sure I have a viable project first. So I took at the time, I took White Ash, which was this this series I was just starting, and I took it to Kickstarter. And you know, our first book did pretty well. Uh, we had like three or four hundred backers, and so we delivered that, and then we brought it back. And you know, flash forward four years later, you know, the last project I did on Kickstarter had seventeen hundred backers. You know, we we raised a lot of money. Um, so so I am very thankful that um, you know that Kickstarter really kickstarted my career in comics. <laughs> 
um, you know, it, it, it did, you know, and it gave me, it gave me a lot of, you know, leeway in terms of what I was able to do. You know, I, I didn't need to go to a publisher. Um, you know, I, I had a large and thriving fan base on Kickstarter, but I wanted to kind of expand the brand, which is what eventually brought me to Scout. And then, you know, from me being a creator at Scout to me being co-publisher was like a, about a year of me working with them and doing things behind the scenes. And they were like, hey, there's a partnership here. Maybe rather than just being a creator, you become part of the company. And so like, so that's what I've been doing for the last year now, year and a half. But but so much of like of what I've done dates back, you know, without Kickstarter, I don't know if how this journey would have gone. Wow. So I'm really loyal to the community of creators who are trying to come up through Kickstarter uh, to try to help find new talent and to support them. Um, and, 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 you know, it's the, the, you know, part of it's also now that I'm the co-publisher over at Scout, we're looking for new projects, but part of it's also me just wanting to give back to that community that's given so much to me. And it really is a community on Kickstarter where, where creators support each other and you're looking out for each other and you're trying to share projects. So I, I love that camaraderie. And when I came to Scout, I wanted to bring some of that. And I think that's one of the things that when people say, what's different about Scout is that you know, we're not, it's not different creators who are all there just trying to promote the books. A lot of the creators at Scout genuinely like each other. Yeah. And you'll see someone like Kevin Joseph, you know, he, he'll be um, tweeting up a storm about all the great Scout books that he read. Um, you know, or, or Fellhound, who has this new book coming out in November. Commander, Commander Rao. Rao, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so like it's 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 a really nice community of creators who um, that that we because that's one of the things we look for. We look for great people who want to be part of the team that we're building. You know, I mean, they are still creators who own their own book and they can you know they can go to whatever publisher they want. But while they're at Scout, while we're shepherding their title to the direct market, we want them to feel part of the team. We want them to support other creators and have creators support them. So, you know, like, and, and that, like I said, that comes from Kickstarter. So when you see me backing all those projects, it's either somebody like an emerging talent that I want to support, or it's someone who helped me uh, on my journey up, or it's someone who's like just a big supporter of the Kickstarter community. And I want to give back. So, so yeah, I, I do back a lot of Kickstarters, but that that's me trying to just again, just give back and support some of, of that community. That's cool. I, I always wondered if it, I mean, I knew, I knew that you, you held the Kickstarter, uh, the whole idea of it and everything in high regard. Cause it, and I do, I know it, it's treated you well in the past. Uh, I always, I, I kind of thought of you as like a, like a, a college recruiter, you know, like <laughs> I, that's, I, I didn't know. I was always kind of wondering if that's what was going on, you know, like you're, you're at the bleachers of like a, a high school track meet, like, with your stopwatch, like, you know, seeing how fast people can run and, well, uh, you know. <laughs> look, that, that's, it's totally true. I mean, I think, you know, people do that at every level. And if they're not doing it as, as a publisher, you're not being smart. Um, because like if, if I think, you know, Marvel and DC, they look at the independent publishers to look for talent, hmm. you know, like they, they look at image, they look at boom, maybe even, you know, at this point looking at scout or, you know, to see, you know, who's the up and comer that we can take and put on, you know, an Avengers series or, or some small in run to test them out in the Marvel universe. Um, you know, and as much as I would like to, to look, you know, who's writing, um, know who's writing doctor strange right now and test them out there and say well now that you've written doctor strange why don't you come to scout um it doesn't usually work as much that way so like so but we, but we are looking everywhere for creators i mean if you look at like the name of the company we're scouting right we're we're, yeah. we're looking you know we're, we're out there looking for new talent uh we're looking for new paths we do a lot of things differently than other publishing companies and we're trying things um but yeah you know i i definitely look on kickstarter we we, we look on kickstarter a lot we look at comic book conventions to try to find 
find um, creators who are good enough to go to the next level, but haven't been given the opportunity yet. That's awesome. I, I think I think more companies need to do that because I there's, I mean, it, writing is so I, so like I, I have an MFA background and I was in the I was in a couple creative writing programs and you know like it's it it gets to where it's very much like a networking game, like in the literary sure. field. I always assumed that comic books was somewhat similar uh, to that. It's, you know, like, yes, the ability needs to be there, but I mean, it's, it's also like when you know people, it can help you well, even and more. I, th than I think the hardest part about that is that a lot of writers inherently are not people, 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 you know, like that they're <laughs> not inherently social that, you know, yeah. they're introverts. They're used to to creating the universe on the page. That's how they connect with people. And so for them to be able to sort of step outside themselves and network is, is terrifying. Mm -hmm. um, so they have to let their work speak for themselves. Um, so I, I think there's that. And the same thing with artists. A lot of comic book artists are also, you know, they're introverts or they just don't have good people skills. Not to say that there aren't incredibly funny and incredibly gregarious, um, you know, comic book writers and artists who are just really great uh, on camera and talking to people. There are. You know, but but I would say you know there's also a large segment of them who aren't. Mm -hmm. um, so you know so I think we need as, as publishers you need to be doing outreach and you need to be looking um, at in different places for, for creators and you want to make sure you're looking at a broad swath of of, of what's out there. Um, you know, reaching out and finding creators of color, finding you know creators from different communities. Um, so so you, you know you don't have a homogeneous um, line that you're putting out of all these you know, white male creators putting out books. You know, we want to put out the best books we find, but we are looking for different types of stories from, from different voices. Because I think if, if you have everything, then you have stories for everyone. Mm -hmm, definitely. What, what catches your attention? Like um, even like on like a, like a personal level, like if you're, uh, you know, like looking at Kickstarter campaigns or even like comic book solicits, like what, um, like what's what's like a what's a genre idea you know like that really I don't know like you you're we both read a lot of comics you read probably tons more than I do and I'm sure people also send you stuff to like hey yeah, check we, this we, out like what well, well, well Scout has a rolling open submission door okay right? so. I, I would say on a slow week, I'm looking at 15 submissions. Wow. Uh, on a busy week, it's 20 to 25 submissions that have come in from series. Um, so in terms of what I look for, uh, you know, there's, there's a couple of different things, but the, the first thing is definitely the art. If it's not a certain level where the book looks professional, um, you know, I, I can't put that out. Mm -hmm. um, so even if it's the world's greatest story, if the art isn't up to publishing standards, we're not going to put it out because it's not going to help the creator. It doesn't help the brand of the company. Um, and, and so like, that's the first thing I look at is like, is the art at a level that we feel is, you know, scout worthy? Um, now that's not to say that it has to be a particular style because that can just run, you know, there's a huge range in terms of, you know, comic book art. And then there's different professionally, like some is more cartoony, some is more realistic. So you know, like, depending on the genre, um, but it has to feel professional. Mm. Uh, so like, so, so there's that. Um, that said, you know, for me personally, creators that are nice, supportive of other people, 
people, um, you know, who you see doing good social media. You know, mm. if, if there's someone who I've started following because I, I like what they have to say on, on Twitter or Facebook, and I see them building up, you know, communities of, of, of other, you know, comic book creators, you know, then, you know, if, if that say that creator who I've known in that capacity, who I really like what they stand for comes to me with a story and maybe the art isn't there, then I might be like, hey, maybe you need to find another artist or maybe we can pair you with an editor to get your story up, up to snuff to, to put it out there. So, you know, so for me, I think, you know, obviously that there's, there's these projects that are a slam dunk. Um, you know, we're putting out a book next week that's called Mullet Cup. Yeah. Um, like, and, and, and it was like one of those things where like you hear that name and it makes you kind of <laughs> laugh and then you see the art associated with it and you're like, this is going to sell and people are going to enjoy this. Um, we have another one of those that's coming out also in November called Ranger Stranger, uh, where if, if you see any, like you look at that and it's kind of like a homicidal Mark Trail. Um, like if you remember the old Mark Trail comic strip that was like in newspapers where he was like this very straight-laced ranger and he was telling you about the park. And he yes, like this, like, this okay. It's so like, so imagine that but then he's walking by and you're like, and there's someone being brutally murdered in the background, but he's like ignoring that and going on about like the flora and the fauna, you know, like it, it's like that really twisted humor. And we saw a little bit of this and it was like, oh my God, like you can just, you see that people are going to gravitate and love this. So like, so we get those slam dunk things where you, you know, the, the, the pitch is good. The art is, it, it matches the, is the book. Um, but then there's a lot of things where we have internal debates over, it, you know, it's like, and then, then who the creator is comes into play, um, you know, and I do think it's important, you know, if you're a young person out there, you know, be careful what you say on social media because yeah. companies do check that, you know, you don't want to bring someone into um, a team environment that you're trying to cultivate who spends a lot of time online tearing other people down, right? You know, you want to find people who are builders, not, you know, who are not being destructive. Um, you know, obviously you don't want someone who is, is saying things derogatory about other people. So mm -hmm. it's, so like this is that stuff all matters. Um, you know, in terms of my own personal taste, uh, you know, I gravitate to stories that surprise me, um, you know, that, that feel different, that have a different take on things where it, it alters your perspective. Um, you know, like th th those are the things I like where I think, ah, I never would have thought that, but it's clever. Um, you know, th there are different people because we have a submission board of about seven people. Uh, you know, some people like things that are a little bit more absurdist. Some people, you know, like, so we, we, we run the range. So we all have we have internal discussions about books and things, but um, you know, for, for me personally, that's you know, that's the kind of thing that I like. Um, you know, like when I'm doing fantasy, like like for me with White Ash, I, I gravitate often to to fantasy that's relatable versus things that are just too big. Um, you know, like high fantasy is great, but unless you're Tolkien, you know, doing that, yeah, that world building on that off. kind of it, it it is hard to pull off because it's also been done, right? You know, it's it, like it's it's the same thing. Like um, when people say, "What is Scout?" You know, "What is Scout looking for?" I, I I usually say everything, um, but doing superheroes is incredibly hard and doing, um, you know, zombie work is incredibly hard. Yeah. So those are, you know, those are two genres that are really tough to do because so many other people have done them and you're competing against, you know, Marvel and DC anytime you're stepping into, you know, the superhero realm 
and you better be Jeff Lemire if you're going to do that, <laughs> right? You know, like like that's who you got to be. Like that's that's your bar. If it's not Marvel and DC, you got to be Jeff Lemire. Um, if you want, you know, if you want it to sell. Um, so 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 for me, like I, I I like stories that are relatable that surprise me. Um, they can have fantastical elements, but but ground them in some way that um, you know that there's a way that readers can can relate to them, so they don't feel so lost trying to you know access this world. And I think that's another thing that a lot of young creators do is they get this concept for world building and they spend so much time on you know like this is the backstory of this tree and this is you know like and this bar was here since 1962 and here are all the owners who you know you know have your, you know, the bar and, and, and when you do all of that and then you say well what's the story they don't have a story they don't have relatable characters mm-hmm. they have a world that they can tell you about for three hours that people can get lost in but if you don't have a reason to get lost in that world like that that's what you need you need i need a reason to get lost in your world to get to know your world that you want to build that you want to share with me so give me a reason that i want to read your book that i i want to get lost in what what you're imagining and creating and then you're probably going to hook me nice i think that's one of my favorite parts of about white ash is the whole uh the the small town big secret you know the, the uh it's not really a trope but it, i mean it's the the what, what you build from is this, it's this little town and and you know like everybody's got secrets but you know, those secrets get a lot more intense when everybody knows everybody's name, you know, when yeah. there's like, when you're in a, a little place and not like a, a big city where like, you don't run into everybody once or twice a week. And, uh, you know, it's how you build the world. Um, it's you, you're, you're very like, your storytelling is very organic. Like it's, it's very, you know, things, things happen and we get to know white ash as the story progresses, you know, like we don't, it, it it takes a little bit to learn about the, the the elves and the and the dwarves and and the brood, you know. And but everything happens. It's structured very well. It's paced very well, and it never feels like well. It it moves so fast anyway. Like once it starts rolling, you know, like you're. It's like the the roller coaster going downhill. Like you're you're on the ride now. You can't stop. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it's just like that. Really impressed me. It's just how like more and more that uh that you learn about the characters you simultaneously learn about the world and so it never feels it never feels like really heavy and it it actually always it makes you just want to learn more you know like you're and i think it's better to keep your audience like give them enough so that they know what's going on but also that they're continuously asking questions which i mean also helps people want to pick up issue two and three and four and 60 however long it goes you know uh but you do that really well and and as as someone who just recently is getting into fantasy, like I really liked your modernized setting and how, you know, it's and and when it boils down to it, you know, our our two protagonists are 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 two you know thirsty, beautiful looking you know in their prime individuals that like they you know that you can tell like part of them wants to have fun and get laid and now they're also like well we should also try and save this town. And then with Lillian, it's, we also, I also have to try and save my species. Like that whole deal of her being the last female is just really intense, but all this happens, you know, like you give us these little crumbs, except like when you bend down to pick up a crumb, it ends up, you get this huge revelation. And I, I haven't, I don't know many storytellers that are that capable of that. Like you are. Oh, well, well, 
Well, first of all, thank you. you know, I, I really appreciate that, you know, that, that you're enjoying the world that I'm creating. And I do think, you know, like going back to, um, you know, that world building aspect is making sure that you have characters that people care about. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when, when I uh, first was working in film, the thing that I was doing a lot of was uh, romantic comedies. Um, but it was all romantic comedies that were genre paced, um, you know, like in the vein of like those, those um, like late 90s, early aughts comedies like Click, right? Okay. Or, or Liar Liar, where there was some kind of magical element that was changing. But at the core of it, it's about, you know, these characters and what kind of things keep them apart, and what want to, you know, bring them back together. Um, so, you know, for, for White Ash and like the, the other pitch, I have lots of pitches for the show, but like one of the ones I like the most is... Um, you know, it's imagine the guys from Supernatural if they got stuck in Riverdale, but instead of battling demons from hell, they had to deal with the worst of Mordor. Um, <laughs> because, because you know, it is about small town life. It's it's a little bit of an immigration story. It's about you know your second generation. Your parents were immigrants, and you know where is your identity? Is your identity you know just especially at that place when you can go off to college? You know, I, I want to create. You know, is it am I creating my own identity? Or how much does what came before me influence who I am? Um, so, like, so those are the kind of themes that I was playing with. And also, I am—I came from a town in Maine that was about seven thousand people. So, so I know that small mm. town environment. You know, I, when I was in high school, you know, I didn't need a bank card. I could walk into the bank and I could say, "Hey, Jen, could I get a hundred dollars from my account?" Like, <laughs> you could, seriously, like that's how it was. And she would just like give me the money um, because we were in, you know, in math class together. Um, so, like. So I came from that kind of small town environment, but I, I think one of the things that you always ask yourself when you're in a small town like that is what else is there, right? And so, and, and then like I moved to Los Angeles, like, you know, like talk about like uh, moving from a small town to one of the yeah, biggest most cosmopolitan shock. cities. <laughs> um, and after years here, you're still like, you know, what else is there? And so like, that's a universal question that I think that we can all relate to, you know, is this what I'm meant to be doing? What else is there? Is this actually my legacy? Who am I? And I think those are all things that we go through in, you know, our, our early twenties, late teens. And, and so for me, like that, those were the characters that I wanted to sort of explore. And, you know, you had the forbidden romance angle because, you know, at its core, you know, like it's, it's um, elves and dwarves who, who in, in at least this mythology are, are, are not compatible mating partners and families who don't like that. So you have like a forbidden romance um, and, and you have people trying to discover what their identity is. So you have all these layers and it just gives you fertile ground for telling story. Um, so like, I know what the story is before, before I sit down to write. Um, I don't ever want to like start something without knowing where it's going. So I, you know, like I, I'll say, this is the story I want to tell, you know, why am I choosing this moment to start telling the story? Where did it come from? Where is it going to? Um, and, and, and that way I concede all of those uh, twists and turns, mm. um, like, like not to compare it to, to Saga, but I think, you know, one of the things that Brian K. Vaughan does really well is he finds a really interesting in point and then an out point for each issue, right? That gets you hooked and makes you want to read the next one. So that, that, you know, for me, that was something that I wanted to do with this, where you want to have everything feel you know, like, like you get a good story. And, and in the past, I've done overly long issues and the first issue. So like right now, the second season um, is in previews. Uh, it's, it's White Ash season two. And the first issue is going to be 44 pages long. Um, so it's a really good entry point. It designed both as like two months later from where the first arc finished, but also a, a, a really good jumping on point for new readers. 
Um, yeah, and, 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 and it, it so, does work as a good. Now, I, I just read that like earlier today on on my lunch break, knowing I was going to talk to you tonight, and it, it did. It, it does like fill in that, or it, it it's, it's very fresh. So like, I I hope people listening like will well, and the trades coming out too. But yeah, definitely, it's very accessible, which is again like kudos well, to your storytelling ability. Oh well, thank you. Like so, like that's the, so that was the goal is to to have it next be the next chapter, but also be a jumping on point for new readers because honestly, since White Ash came out, Scout has exploded. Mm -hmm. So, and we came out during like issue one and two came out and then the pandemic hit and then we stopped going to the shops. And by the time three and four came out, like months had passed. So, so like there was a little bit of like an interruption and Scout then was not Scout that we are now. So the, you know, the numbers are completely different. So I wanted to create a story that was a good place for anyone new coming to the series they could say, oh, you know, I'm on board. I'm caught up pretty quick. Um, maybe I'll go back and read the first trade, which they should. And, and yes, that will be out uh, hopefully in most comic book shops next week. Um, and it's also going to be in bookstores everywhere. It's probably a big Simon Schuster bookstore deal. So it's on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. So that's coming out, I think, on the 9th of September. That's, okay, so that's different because a lot of Scout books you cannot get on Amazon or unless you get it from like a private seller, right? Yeah, so so we um, this is something else that's happened over the last year and a half is we had a, a bookstore deal with uh, Simon & Schuster. Cool. And so the first of our titles that are coming out over the next, we have, we have I think 16 titles, like the first 16 trades are coming out between uh, next week and the end of the year. Um, and so you know, uh, White Ash is the first one that's coming out because it was also trying to make it in time with the pre-order window, which is open right now. So people could, um, you know, order the sec read, read the trade and order the second season. Um, but Canopus, which is a book of ours, which is fantastic, uh, is out in about two weeks. Soulstream is out in about two or three weeks as well. Um, and, and so like, and then and then we'll also have a release of like Methyl Shark Bro that will be coming out. I don't know if you've ever read that title. It's hysterical. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. So they, that was my, the, uh, Bob and Kevin were my first uh, creator interviews on an old podcast I used to run with. Yeah, they're, they're great. I, and I, I love them. And again, the kind of creators that you want to have part of what you're building because they're so supportive of the comic book community. Uh, so, so the going forward, a lot of our trades are coming out either for the first time or we're releasing them and you can see them on Amazon right now, um, or, um, you know, or, or you can pre-order them from Barnes and Noble and then we'll have wave two coming out in January. I think, I think you're a by the horns fan as well. Oh, uh, yes. I, that? So like yes. the trade for by the horns, I think is coming out in February. Um, and that will also be in bookstores and in Amazon and, uh, you know, everywhere, you know, and through scout websites and in comic book shops. Um, That's that's awesome because so. I I remember for a little like when when you guys first started like really coming on the radar I remember you you had those like they were actually really slick looking I I I wanted one like for my room they, they looked like the cardboard vending machines that like right. the the scout machine thing for shops but a lot of shops like. Unless you, you know, they, they weren't naturally getting scout titles unless, you know, they pre-ordered and no matter how many times you beat a comic book over the head with a pre-order your books, like people just forget to pre-order stuff or just don't, you know, and like have that mentality of like, well, it should, I should show up Wednesday and it should be here, uh, which I had to learn the, the hard way to get over that, you know, like, uh, so I, I learned to pre-order my books and stuff, but yeah, it, it, I remember like a lot of people were 
there was like a really good dialogue about your guys's books, but some people, depending on their location and how big their comic shop was and stuff, had trouble getting them. And then when I first heard about you guys, you know, I was I was trying to get uh, I was trying to track down some of your trades, and then and you know that's how I found out you couldn't get them on Amazon, and and then you know I I found you, your your website is really good, it's the Scout's website. You guys and you shout out to Scout and listeners like they ship really quick. Uh, they ship really secure and like ordering from you guys is, is always like a safe bet straight from the website. But I, I like how I like how you guys are playing with distribution right now. You have one of the most successful like subscription boxes, I think, out right yeah, now. So, you know, like our, our, our goal is to make comics of, like and then this again goes to the, the name scouting, right? We're trying different things, mm. um, you know, whether it's our subscription box, which which is a good deal, um, or making our books available to, to retailers in lots of different ways. Um, you know, we're on Diamond, but we were also the second uh, publisher that was on Lunar, which is another distribu- distributor with DC. Mm-hmm. Um, so like on Diamond, there's like 125 different publishers on there. Um, on Lunar, it's DC and Scout. And now recently Ahoy came on, but that's, that's, those are the only books, Oh wow! you know, like when the retailers are looking. So that's opened, you know, so there's a lot more stores that are carrying Scout now because they saw us on Lunar. Okay. Um, you know, and then we also distribute directly every month too. So some retailers just order direct from us. We have about 75 retailers at this point who don't order from Diamond or DC. They order directly from Scout. Oh, cool. And we ship out books to them twice a month. Um, and so sometimes those books come out a little bit earlier than Diamond Dates. And sometimes they come out a little bit later, but they're allowed to put them on the shelves, you know, when they get them. So like, so we're trying different things because the market keeps changing, but we also have the website. So anyone can always get our books, um, you know, depending on where you live. Um, you know, we just want things to be accessible to people. Uh, we, we always look to, to push people to the comic book shops first because they, you know, they are our partners and we want to make sure that, um, you know, like that's, that's where the community starts mm-hmm. and we want to support them and we want to get them, you know, our products, whatever way it works best for them. But if your shop for whatever reason is not carrying scout, we've got you cup. Yeah. You know, so, <laughs> you know, like I, I think, I think, um, I think you said you found some of them, uh, you found white ash through comics on the green, right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, and and that's a great shop. Like I, I, I love you know, I love to give them you know, give them a little shout out. I, I think they have been very supportive of um, you know, us as publishers, and uh, you know, and and so you know, we appreciate that, and we hear that, and we see that, and we try to you know, give back. Um, there's a shop that I love called um, Pulp Seven One Six. I don't know if you know that one. Yeah, they uh, have the the in Buffalo, right? Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, 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 a little exclusive for your show. Um, they may have a special white ash cover coming out soon that's in line with some of the stuff they do oh cool um, so i'll just let that sit a little if you think about like <laughs> their feeds um and some of their social media action and the kind of things they do now imagine what they could do with their own white ash cover so um you know they're great like i just love them um so i i think you know we're just looking to be wherever people need us and, and try to get the stories out. Um, but yeah, there, there's been a, a lot of awareness. Like the, the vending machines was was a, was a great, um, I don't want to call it a gimmick, but it was a marketing attempt to try to gain some traction. Mm-hmm. Um, I live in Los Angeles, so I, I do a lot of going around to the different stores in Los Angeles and introducing myself and 
and telling people uh, about Scout if they don't already know Scout. Um, and so, you know, I, I was at uh, Golden Apple, which is like one of the, one of the most famous comic book shops for free yeah, comic I book buy, books. Yeah, I buy uh, variants online from them every now and then. Yeah, yeah. Like, and, and when I was a kid, they were one of the companies that was in the back of the comic. Like you could sometimes see things, advertisements for Golden Apple. So that was really nice for me to be able to like be for free comic book day. I was at Golden Apple signing, you know, the, the scout free oh, cool. comic, um, which was, which was great. And, and then, um, so like, so, and like in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be with, with Seda Wolf, who does soul stream uh, on the 18th. We're there for Heidi Ho's grand reopening. And that's actually the shop. That's the oldest comic book shop in uh, Los Angeles County. Like nice. that's also been around for like 40 something years. Um, so, so like, yeah. So I think like we do a lot where we can um, to, to reach out to the shops, Scouts based out of Florida, so that we have a pretty good network of creators and stores there. I'm doing my best here in um, in Los Angeles, but yeah, I mean, just reach out on the internet. If if a store is watching this or listening to this, please hit me up. I am always willing to chat, talk talk comics, talk Scout, and you know, make our partnership a little bit better. Nice. I mean, yeah, I, you guys are you guys are definitely like. I mean, you're blowing up because of content. Like, I won't lie, man. Your guys' review emails, like. Uh, that's one of my favorite parts of being a blogger right. now is like getting my scout because re- I just, I never know what I'm going to stumble across, man. Like uh, children of the grave rocked me. And then, and then I got to interview those guys and our, that ep- episode was insane. I just, sure. the, the whole episode, we just kept being like, Oh God, we're all getting canceled. Cause we just, all of us had, and we just cut loose and we, we had a couple beers and, and it was a blast. And, Metal Shark Bro, I stumbled onto because, uh, uh, like I said, they came on an old podcast that I used to be on. Uh, I actually, uh, they came on when I launched Blake's Buzz. They were my mm-hmm. first interview for Dust Pirates. Um, yeah, I, I talked book. to them, and uh, but yeah, uh, and then you know, uh, recently, uh, By the Horns, man, like By the Horns is one of my favorite things. I I spent an exorbitant amount of money on a Viking horn cup and a VHS uh-huh. variant. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I regret nothing. Yeah. <laughs> it was no, no, awesome. like they, 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 um, I mean, it's, first of all, it's one of the most beautifully drawn books in comics. God, Jason's so good. Like he, he's he, good. He's incredibly talented. Um, so like, so I think like there's that and a uh, Marcus on, I mean, like the, the story that he's telling is great. I mean, there's such a good combination together. Uh, there's a synergy there. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm really glad that, you know, we're putting that out through Scout and, there's a whole nother arc that's going to, you know, they're going to take a little break after this first arc is finished, the trade will come out and then they're going to go with the second arc. Um, so yeah, I, I, I look forward to, to more of those stories for a long time. Yeah. I was so excited when I got that email, when I, I found out and they were excited too. That was the night I interviewed them was the day you're the, I mean, they knew beforehand, but the day the press went out about uh, the official, like, eight issue arc and they're continuing that I interviewed them that night. So I was like, they were, they were in a great mood anyway, you know? So I was like, Oh, this is like that. The stars kind of aligned with that one. But yeah, I was, I don't, I mean, that book just, I just love it. And, and, and it, I love so much of, of scout and I love the variety, um, in both, uh, stories and, and the way you release comics, like, uh, the, the, your new title boxes are really cool. I'm really into, uh, comic tags. Um, and I'm, I'm still, I'm working on a piece for the blog. Cause I, I want to 
uh, they they gave me my own promo code that I'm going to mm-hmm. give out later, and um, and I get you know I I get you know it's nice for for me because I get a little break too when I order the waves. Sure. But I just I just sure. ordered I just ordered wave two, and and then and I also was like the wave three came out of nowhere. Like I was on their website and I was like shit, there's wave three. I was like <laughs> I was like oh, I gotta catch up, but I um that to me like I have a bad obviously a huge collector mentality where like once I pop I can't stop you know so yeah. get like I want all these comic tags now I think they're cool I like the packaging I like the idea you know I have a nice tablet and I'm I read mainly digital I buy omnibuses and stuff but I mean I get review copies it's all digital and stuff so well I, th- I think like so so that was um James Hake came up with with a lot of the comic tags idea and you know, for him, and I think I think it's true. You know, he was looking to make comics collectible, which is like the tagline of comics tags. Mm-hmm. But he was also looking for a way to to give retailers back a piece of that digital market because there's so many retailers who you know have a a hate hate relationship, not yeah. even a love hate, but a hate hate <laughs> relationship with digital comics because they see it as this gateway for taking people out of the stores. And I, you know, I think there's two different types of people. There's people who like to read digital comics and there's people who, who prefer to, to read physical comics, just like, you know, books are still selling. Yeah. We've had, you know, my wife really likes reading things on the Kindle. I don't think I would actually read a novel on a Kindle, you know, unless there was no other way to access it. Mm. I, I prefer the tangible feel, you know, but everyone's different. So I, I think, but, but giving retailers that ability to sell the digital trade um, and also giving creators. I mean, like that's the thing. It's also perfect is for conventions um, yeah. because I don't know how many times I've had someone walk by my booth and I've said, Hey, you know, you would like, you want to pick up this trade? And they're like, I would, but you know, I've got these bags just too heavy. I can't add one more book. But if I can be like, well, you, know, you can take this card. Here's a card. <laughs> yeah. And it's a great deal. Um, and then you can get them hooked. And then hopefully they, you know, if, if it's the collection and, and they're a voracious reader, they might want, you know, what's next. So now they're going to put the issues on poll and get the issues at that, you know, at their local shop. So it becomes a gateway um, to those issues. I think, um, you know, like, so if it serves as that, is it serves as a way for retailers to, to have a piece of the digital market as a gateway drug to hook people back into comic shops. It's something great. It's also great for collectors. So like, there's so many good things about it. Um, it's just getting the word out on that. And we, we've had some success with them, but I like the bundle for the title boxes. Um, and uh, yeah, no, I mean, I think it's a great idea. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes. I think White Ash is going to be part of wave four. Um, but, you know, I, I wanted it to come out at, as the series was coming out, because then it gives mm. a little bit more press and, um, you know, and, and the trade's out right now. So like if people want to pick up the physical trade, it's there. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I just, I think they're, I didn't even think about the, the con part of it though. And not even yeah. for shoppers at cons, but I mean, for you guys, like yeah. it, when you're, if you're traveling and setting up a table, I mean, you got to pay to take those books with you. Hopefully you sell a lot of them, but if you don't, you got to bring them back. And so, yeah, I mean, if you can, I mean, you can throw a bundle of those in a backpack and that's yeah. way different than having like 30 trades that you got to like box up and. Yeah. 30 trades, you know, depending on the size of the trade, that's, you know, like that, that could be a 40 pound box that you're trying to take somewhere with you, <laughs> you know, like, and that's just 30 of them where you can, you know, hold 30 comic tags in one hand without much effort. Right. <laughs> you know, like just you can put those in your pockets. And, and, and walk away. I mean, your pockets will look a little full, 
but you can still put them in your pockets. There's something, cause I do love, I love paper and I love books. And, um, that's one of my favorite aspects of Kickstarter is the higher quality printing. Almost everything is a cardstock cover, you know, like very weighty pages. You know, I like that feeling when you turn a page and you think two pages are stuck together and you, and you got to check and, but they're not, it's just like one nice, thick, lovely page. And, and that's one of the cool things about Kickstarter is, is so many Kickstarter creators are like nerding out on that. Like I have to like, you know, yeah, this is going to be a little bit extra money, but nice card stock or foil variant, you know, like all these different things. Whereas like some publishers are, is like how cheap, how thin can this paper get? You know, like we're printing tens of thousands of these and we have to, you know, like the cheaper we print it, the more money we make in the long run. And I get that too. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with that, you know, like, but it, it is, it is a bummer. Like, I mean, I feel like so many comics is that, that, you know, you get like the moisture weave and that's like on everything now, like there's, unless it's a DC cardstock cover, a Marvel, I don't think Marvel even does cardstock covers ever. Um, but yeah, so I just, I really like the quality, but at the same time, you know, with Marvel Unlimited, with DC Universe, with Comixology Unlimited, or, uh, you know, if you buy these, if you buy these cards and you put the digital comics on your tablet or your phone, even I'm not the biggest fan of reading on my phone, but when you're in line somewhere and that's all you got in your pocket, it's cool. But having like tens of thousands of comics, just like in your backpack or like on your person at any time is I, it's, that's kind of astounding to me. And it's, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it's look, pretty it's cool. The, the, the same thing. Like when, when, when all of a sudden you could bring your music with you, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, like, like, like that would, that would, that was like, it was mind blowing when all of a sudden you could fit a hundred songs on something and then it was 200 songs. Then yeah. it was, you know, now it's like, you know, you can fit almost all the music in the world on your iPad, yeah. you know, your iPad if you want. Um, you know, so yeah, no, I think, I think with Kickstarter, the creators who had staying power also realized, and this, this is the kind of thing I try to teach young creators coming up to Kickstarter. You know, this, this is where you stand out. This is how, um, you know, you differentiate yourself from the creator who's just trying to turn a buck. Um, it's about, you know, you're going to write your story and you're going to get the best art you can because, you know, we all want that. But in addition to that, what's your packaging? How is your book shipped? Um, you know, if you're doing a print, what kind of cardstock are you doing your print on? Um, you know, like for, for me, it was the same philosophy that, um, you know, I think that Apple had early on where their things were more expensive, but they wanted you to feel like there was an experience when you opened the box, mm-hmm. right? You know, and, and so it wasn't just selling the computer. It was selling that level of, wow, you know, like, look at this packaging, look at everything. And I yeah. feel special when I open this. Um, and I think the creators who do that are often really successful. Like I, you know, I was one of the first people who started actually putting on my campaign, this is how I ship my books, you know, and now that's a thing that almost everyone does. Um, and, and, you know, I also would like, and this is the cardstock that I'm going to print on, you know, like, and so then people, like, I, I think, you know, we all share different things from each other. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying that you know, people took that from me or I took that, but I think like, these are things that you can highlight. Um, and, and the more successful you are, the more you can build your brand. Like, um, from my most recent Kickstarter, which uh, thankfully will be fulfilling very soon, um, you know, I had these custom boxes printed up. Um, so the um, the inside has this beautiful green um, inlaid pattern. Um, like the 
Like in the hardcover? Like the kind yeah. Of, okay. Yeah, like like on the inside of the hardcover. It's actually on the inside of the box. Oh. You know, and like so like it's like so things like that for for anybody who got like more than one comic. If you got multiple comics, you're getting like this, you know, the Cadillac box. <laughs> um, you know, and, and it was worth it for me because I again I wanted things to arrive safely, but I also wanted people to feel like they're getting something special. And you know, and they are, you know, these are artists and like that uh, on Kickstarter, they're artisan comics. You know, I, I think when people think, oh, the comics are too expensive or this. Well, you know, if, if you go to a bar and you order, like there's different levels of beer yeah. that you order. And, you know, I mean, like some people like, like the, the, the artisan small brewery beer is going to cost twice as much as, you know, as that regular beer. Um, you know, and, and I think like just people coming to Kickstarter understand that these are small print runs the costs are so much higher Mm -hmm. um for these creators to be able to make these books and and, and they are i mean in comics in general um are not a lucrative industry the margins are very small um you start seeing that immediately and um the more you do on the backside you realize how lucky people are to get 399 books Mm. you know like i know a lot of people complain oh i can't believe i spent 399 on this for 499 oh my goodness Um, but like if you start doing the numbers, you'd actually be astounded that any publisher is actually offering books for three ninety nine or four ninety nine. Yeah. If it was a you know, if it was the standard rate of return that a lot of industries do in terms of markup, most books like at twenty pages would be like five ninety nine. Oh wow! Uh, you know, like, which is obviously it's it's a market that won't bear that. Um, but in terms of the amount of um, money that's needed, in terms of how many units that sell and all of that, that's probably the more accurate price point for a twenty-page book. Yeah, I I try to tell because that's a a lot of what I hear. Uh, my friends on Twitter and stuff like there's a every now and then they'll back something on Kickstarter, but what I hear a lot is like. Because you know, I'm I'm very vocal about what I back on Kickstarter and and I do a lot like I said sure. earlier with my blog and and you know having people on the show and and I I these they they talk to me like you guys will talk to me like like we know each other you know and whereas like a hot shot at DC isn't may like something I say or retweet something I say but very rarely will like really engage with me. And, and I mean, I get it, man. Like if you got 50, 60,000 followers and like half of them are on your ass about, you know, like something stupid, you know, like, or like whether the like, web shooters were organic or not. Yeah, exactly. Or, or, or sending you death threats because Catwoman left Bruce Wayne at the altar. Like, yes. and you got to have a, a, a bouncer with you at, at comic con to make sure like people don't shank you. Like, I get why not everybody is apt to engage, you know, on social media. I understand, but it's so cool. Uh, the, the, the Kickstarter experience is what I think it is. It's, you know, it's a, especially in quarantine when, you know, we didn't, we didn't have cons, you know, they're just starting to go back, but not many people are really wanting to go. Like two weeks ago was Kansas city comic-con uh planet. And, I didn't, I, I I mean, I got my two shots, man, but I'm not trying to like test them out and see how good they work. You know, like <laughs> Scout, Scout was at MegaCon in Florida and I had an invitation to fly there and uh, that was not going to happen. 
Yeah. <laughs> I was not getting on a plane <laughs> to fly to Florida to be in a convention with 80,000 people. Yeah. Vaccinated, not doing it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you, you just like, you, you take your risks yeah. um, where you can and you measure it against your fund. And, and I think, you know, everyone has different risk assessment levels. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a scary time. I think, yeah. I think the other thing about Kickstarter when they're talking about prices, like, cause I think sometimes people do complain that comics are too expensive. Mm -hmm. The thing I always say to people is, Hey, how much would you drop for that exclusive variant cover? Exactly. Or you know, signed like, and sketched and the, yeah, the different yeah, like, stuff you get. Or, but they're like, well, you know, like that, that DC uh, sketch cover, you know, or that DC cover, they only printed 5,000 of them. Uh-huh. Yes. So you were willing to pay $20 for that one. They only printed 5,000 of <laughs> This is only 200 that were printed yeah. on Kickstarter. Like talk about, you know, rare, and you're complaining over spending $15 for it. Right. <laughs> like, like, like that, that's, that's the, the the mechanics that I don't think people are, are taking into account because, but it's also people want to find that thing that they think is going to get hot and they can invest yeah. in, maybe flip. Um, but you know, a lot if it's a good Kickstarter book, there's a chance that's the real first appearance of this thing that's going to mm -hmm. maybe go someplace else because, yeah. like you know, like I was saying, a lot of Scout series come from Kickstarter. Um, you know. A lot of other companies are starting to look to do that too, um, because they realize that it's 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 a different market, and you know even a book that does well, like you know, if they do a thousand backers on Kickstarter, that's usually just a huge project. Mm -hmm. But if you did a thousand, um, you know, if you moved a thousand units in the direct market, you'd be canceled immediately. Yeah, right. Like it's it's just too small. So you know you're not there's no attrition of um, your customers. You're not eating into that base because they're different customers and the scale is completely different um, in terms of the numbers that you're trying to hit. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a weirdo too. Cause like I got really into this last year, I got really into uh, store exclusive variants. Mm -hmm. sure. And so it's like, I'm just that idiot who like loves spending $25 on a single issue. Cause it, cause the, it's got a pretty picture on it from an artist I like. Right. Um, but I mean, yeah, it's, I, I try and explain that to people too. And also shipping. I mean, we, I think we've all gotten spoiled on shipping because i mean a lot of places like if it's over 50 bucks you get free shipping I, all of us have amazon prime subscriptions i think you know we're all spoiled because of amazon prime and it, it comes it comes in two to three days and it may be bent in half but we'll get it in two or three right. days but you know like it so we get spoiled and um yeah it, 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 the price point and and, you know, I just, there's still, there's still a lot of people that are just, and, and at least they're reading comics, but they're very much like centered on the big two. Like I have a, I have a buddy who's just now like kind of branching out into indie stuff and really liked saga and is really into uh, uh black hammer and like, you know, and, and, and he's, he's, he's older than me, you know, he's, he's not, he's, he's going on 50 and he's just now like he's he's lived this life of marvel he's he can't stand shout out to dan cosmic if you're listening buddy uh he can't stand dc uh he's tried and like we've like all our group of friends have like all tried so like like oh just try this dc comic man. you might like it and he's like no no never uh but what's funny is he'll watch the movies and i think he watches the movies just so like because he knows he's not gonna like them <laughs> so he right, can, right. Like, he's hate so watching he, them yeah kind of uh but you know but anyway he's at, he's at least trying to branch into indie and and he you know kind of follows the blog and i talked to him about stuff and, and he's like he told me that he was like he's like you're just reading shit that i've never even heard of man like and he's just like and, and a lot of people are like that and it's indie is so it's such a wide range of, you know, like 
there anything's out there and that's that's what i've told people is you know i grew up where you could buy an x-men comic at 7-eleven or the gas station right and uh and that's how i started reading comics um i learned about indie comics later and that like oh there's other things than superheroes like i'm gonna check this out uh you know like spawn and violator uh the 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 dark old dark horse alien comics like i used to be really Mm -hmm. into those and then um I followed the storytelling, man, stuff that sounded interesting. And so like, I got really into indie and then that led me into Kickstarter. Now I'm like really into Kickstarter and I, and now I'm like all this new Substack stuff. And it's like, it all sounds really cool, but like, I feel like every other day someone has a new Substack, and it's yeah. like, I can't just pay $7 a month, like for 20 well, different creators. Like I, like, I won't get too much into Substack because I think, um, you know, I am a strong advocate of creators making their money where they can make their money mm-hmm. and, and tell their stories. I don't like the format yeah. so much, you know, like, like if you're going to have a comic where you have to scroll yeah. and, you know, like maybe if they're delivering PDFs through their Substack, but, you know, like I, I do like more of the tangible where you can put the, the, the page breaks easier in with your storytelling because a good storytelling should have the page breaks and take advantage of the medium. Um but but yeah no I, I think um, that you know there's a whole group of people and a whole group of comic shops that just do big two mm-hmm. right that's the ecosystem um, they might do big two with some image like that maybe that's where they branch out or some you know one or two dark horse comics uh, but I think you know especially the pandemic has been harder for those shops yeah. because they survive so much on their Wednesday warrior clientele who just go for those big two titles um, and I think the shops that are really thriving right now uh are the ones that you know i don't want to say that that's just stock scout but um are are the ones that are looking to other types of stories because we are in this golden age of superhero media um you know with with the marvel you um with the mcu with the things that dc is doing and i feel like there's a lot of people who watch those movies who feel like you know what i don't need to read the comic book version mm-hmm. because i've got those but they like that kind of content so they go into comic book shops looking for something else you know and and it's the comic book shops that have the big wall of other stories that can bring in all these new readers so i feel like a lot of new readers are not coming to comics to gravitate towards marvel and dc they're coming into comics to see what else is out there in addition to being able to watch marvel and dc on tv yeah um and and so like the the place where there's growth for shops is in indie comics because like the, like the big two so to speak are actually like narrowing their line a little bit you know dc because they have other interests they make way more money in multimedia than they do in comics so you know while i think hopefully both will have a commitment that continues to putting out the comics um that's not where you know their bread is buttered mm. whereas you know with scout our publishing line is everything for us, you know, it's about people buying the books. If people aren't buying the books, then there's no scout. Yeah. Um, you know, we're not a VC funded company. We are a published publishing funded company. Um, you know, so I, I think like that, that's where the growth of the industry is heading towards people picking up books that are non big two books. You know, there will always be a large and probably the largest segment of people who are in comics are grabbing those books. But if you want to bring in new voices, if you want to bring in new customers, you better have something else on your shelves. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. I, I just got to the point and, and it's, I still am like feel silly about how like stressful the decision was of cutting back my pull list. Um, but 
you know, like I, I've, the government's helped out us student loan kids, you know, for the last year and a half because of COVID, you know, and everybody got the email from the government, like, well, COVID's over. So in January, <laughs> we're going to start getting our student loan payments back. And so everybody's freaking out, self-included. And I'm, you know, like planning on budgeting that. And, you know, with with all the comics that I get from Kickstarter with review copies of stuff that people send me to check out and cover for the blog or get ready for an interview, my pull list, I bag them and board them and rarely read them. Um, I'm I've I was buying every all 11 X-Men books a month because I that's I, like X-Men. If you buy all the series, it's like 11 or 12 issues a month. And I was loving it. But, you know, I fell a couple months behind and then all of a sudden that's that's 30 comic books that I'm now behind yeah. in and I'm yeah. still buying them every month, you know, yeah. and and I finally like I I was talking to Becky and I, I was like and I, I like apologized to her. I was like, Becky, I'm sorry, I got to drop these books. And she's like, you don't have to apologize to me. But, I, you know, Comics on the Green has t- taken such good care of me. Yeah. Like, and there's, and they're such good people. And so like, I, I want to give them like tons of money when, when I have it, <laughs> you know, but, but yeah, it just like, it kind of hit me and I was like, man, I'm, I'm buying these books because I feel like I have to not necessarily because I want to. And those were, I mean, those were the, the big two books that I was just like, you know, that I felt as a comic book fan, I needed to get to like, cause those were like the necessities, the bread and butter. Right. And so, yeah, like, man, I was sweating bullets, like trying to whittle that pull list down. And, and then I finally, I was just like, I was like, man, it's, it's just like, it's not as big a deal as, as you think it is. You know, like the comics are going to be there later, whether they're trade omnibus hardcover, or I pay for Marvel unlimited too. So I can like read this all in a few months. So, but it's still, it messed with me. Yeah. It's a, but it's a sunk investment, right? It's like, you don't want to give up on something you've put that much time into. It's a lot of the reasons why people sometimes stay in a bad relationship, right? You're like, well, we've been together 10 years. I can't just like get like, cause then it didn't mean anything, right? You heard it here, folks. X-Men is a bad relationship. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm like, just kidding. I, I, I will, you know, like, like for me, like I, I had that relationship with, with Marvel and DC. Mm. And then it was like, I left college and those first couple of years out of college, I didn't have any money. So it was like, do I want to keep all my comics or do I want to eat? And I made this smart choice and I ate. <laughs> um, and, 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 and I think, I think the other thing is it, it's harder and harder to stay invested in long term in something that's designed to go on forever. Mm. Right. You know, like, like those books are not designed to have a stopping point. So, you know, where are you going with it? You know, like this relationship isn't going anywhere. It's just going to keep going and going and going (laughs) where, where, you know, with, with some independent books, you know, this is what I'm in for. And I'm hopefully going to have a good resolution, but there's going to be a resolution to where I'm going. And I think, so it's not that it's a shorter term commitment. It's that it's the knowledge that there's an end point at some point. Right. So, so you can stay on that journey for as long as you want, but you know, at some point the creator is going to stop because they're not going to do those books forever. Yeah. Um, where Spider-Man, you know, I mean, or, or Superman, I mean, let's take Superman, which has been going since like what, 1938 or yeah. something, you know, and they're still telling Superman stories and, you know, 
when I have grandkids, there will still be Superman stories <laughs> being told, right? And 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 so to try to collect that, that is just something that's going to go on forever. So I, when I hear people talk, oh, I don't know where to start. I don't think it's like that as much as it's, this is a lifetime commitment. If like, cause collectors are collectors, they want everything. Right. And like, how do you go all the way back? And, and what do you, you know, what are you in for? Cause once you commit to that, you're committing to something perpetual. So it's like worse than like the old Bally's memberships where <laughs> you, you can't get out of it no matter what you do. <laughs> Oh, I'll just move. Oh no, there's a Bally's in every state. I'm sorry. <laughs> or the uh, yeah. what was it? Uh, the uh, the music in Columbia House. Columbia yeah, House yeah, is yeah. nasty too. Just, like, just one penny. Just one penny yeah. for your first batch of they CDs. They charge you like seventy nine dollars for shipping. Send that bill to yeah. your parents. Oh yes. man, I, I remember. I signed up for that. My parents were not happy. And yeah. then and then they like I I had to I got like two more CDs a month. And you're paying like, I mean, this was like when CDs were new, right? So like even at Best Buy, they were like 18 or 19 bucks, but like, but like, so they're charged, like Columbia House is charging like 1999 and seven or $8 shipping. shipping, And they're just, they're just going to send it to you unless you tell them no. And we didn't have the internet, right? So like you had to like mail right on a card, like, please don't send me any more stuff and then mail it. And hopefully it got there. It's, yeah. uh, it's, it's funny how things change, man. And now, now our our world is run yet again by subscription services. Like our our lot, like we everything. Like uh, we get our food delivered. There's a subscription service. There's comics, uh, movies, music, games. Like every yet again, well, like well, we're back. You know, to like that. from from a business standpoint, it always just makes more sense because you can bank on a revenue flow, right? Mm-hmm. So if you can su- switch people over to that subscription model, it just helps you run your company better. So yeah, I mean, like everyone's trying to get you now. Yeah. <laughs> and it's all digital. Like it's all, ex- I mean, with the exception of, of like, you know, we mentioned earlier, like your guys' Scouts subscription box, which everybody loves. And, and like you said, it's got, it's a great price. And that's like the new internet flex, by the way, is like the, the, when you they get the box at the beginning of the month. And oh, right, right. They, they get like a few books early you know and and like like they the 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 guys on the subscription box are like they review stuff too um and and they're getting they're getting like uh the the draco knuckle duster uh book like uh right. two two weeks before you guys sent the review copy out yeah 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 exactly exactly and and and, and, like, and and we try to do we do try to always provide value for people so we'll put exclusives in there and if you if you look at the cost of that it's, it's not like just the first month is a deal. And then the next month, it's a really expensive box. Right? <laughs> you just crank right, right? it up. You crank That's it right. up and don't tell them about it. <laughs> That's right. But, 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 like, but every month is like, like if you add up the individual titles, it would have cost you a lot more to get them through the website. Yeah. You know? And now you guys so have like, like the, the scratch and dent box too. To... Yeah. Like the damaged, we, we call it uh, battle damaged comics. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like for like the people who just want to read things who, who are, because like, because what happens, um, you know, on our end is like we get a lot of things from the printer that are damaged, mm. um, and, and we just thought at some point it's like why just keep recycling these if you know if there are people who might want a box of slightly imperfect comics, you know, we, we can charge you know a lot less for those. I think it's I think it's like forty book forty books for twenty bucks or something like that, so two dollars wow. a piece, or oh no. The, it's, it's super cheap, it's especially as comics go, you know, and if you just want to read and get into scout and see what we've got, like that's, that's a great way to do it. Also, you just uh, like came up with the best press name, slightly imperfect comics would be such yeah. a good, 
indie, <laughs> such a good indie press. Sick uh, comics, sick comics, man. That's, yeah, I'm gonna, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna write. That's, I'm gonna write this down. I'll I'll cut you a check if it pans out. <laughs> well, well, I, you know, I I just don't. Um, I wouldn't like to say that that Scout is slightly imperfect. Maybe <laughs> maybe, maybe a few of our books occasionally, uh, you know. So, how did you get like? How did you get involved with Scout? Because like you like you said, you like Kickstarter was how White Ash had a home, and then and now you you're you have like a, I mean, is, you're like an, an executive editor. Is that like what you're? I, I'm I'm actually publisher. Oh, you're uh, a publisher. Okay. Yeah. You're so like like so I, I oversee the line um, okay. along with David Byrne, and we 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 try to schedule what's coming out. We we reach out to creators. We're trying to. Um, you know, make make sure there's kind of unity between between uh, Scoot and Black Caravan, and make sure that you know the work on the branding and outreach to retailers. So yeah, so I'm basically helping run the comic book line of the company. So how and, did how did you how do you land that gig? How's that? Happen? Well, it, it was just one of those things where. Um, I had been doing everything for myself when I was doing White Ash, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so then, you know, I, actually, Kevin Joseph, who's another creator at Scout, um, he's the, you know, the he, Tart Tart writer. Yeah, right? Tart. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I knew Kevin from I had met him years ago at San Diego Comic Con, and, um, and 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 Kevin was was talking to James Hake, the president of Scout, about doing Tart there, and he's like, "You should check out my friend's book, White Ash. I think you guys would like it." And so then they called me up, and I was like, um, "Who's Scout?" <laughs> like I, I didn't know Scout at the time. Like I'll be, I'll be completely honest. And this was a couple of years ago. And I was like, oh, this seems like a cool company. Um, you know, let's, let's all talk when, because they were going to come out to San Diego. And um, so I met with them and I said, you know what? This seems like it could be a good partnership. You know, I might keep doing my thing on Kickstarter, but we'll grow the book in the direct market because it felt like a different market. And um, so, you know, so then like we started getting ready to ramp up towards um, putting White Ash out. And I started asking them like, well, how do you do this part of the company? How do you do this part? Because I just wanted to help, you know, like, like how can I incorporate my, you know, my fan base into what you're doing? Hmm. How can I, you know, sync my press outreach efforts with yours? And, um, you know, and, and through some of those discussions, you know, there was, there was a, there, it quickly became apparent that there were some gaps where hmm. Scout could be better. Um, and so then I helped trying to fill some of those gaps, like, well, let's do this together. And so after a couple of months of me being like, Hey, let's do this to help you know, grow the company. And they're like, that's a great idea. Are you going to do that? And I was like, yeah, I'll do that. It's fine. You know, it's going <laughs> to, it's going to help my book. So let me just do this. Let me, let me help with this with your press list. Let me do this. And all of a sudden I was doing so much behind the scenes to help grow Scout, you know, in, in relation, you know, like it was always to serve the company because I was part of the team, but also, you know, for the release of White Ash, um, it organically evolved into a conversation when they're like, Hey, it seems like you're a really good fit here. Would you like to become officially become a little bit more of a part of the team? And that led to, you know, flash forward six months later, um, me taking over as a co-publisher. Cool. So, so hard work does pay off. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like it's, sometimes it's, it's, <laughs> it, it's, it's hard work, but also, but also commitment. Yeah. Right. You know, like we were all working towards the same goal and you, you want to have, um, you know, whenever you're trying to do something and comics is really hard, you want to make sure you're all like-minded and you're trying to support the same goal. You know, that's not to say we don't have disagreements about how we should grow the line or do this or do that. Um, but at the end of the day, we're all trying to put out great comics. We're trying to connect with readers and we want to bring in amazing creators. So like when you have like those touch points that you all agree on, um, you know, it makes for a good working environment. Nice. Yeah. I've Everybody I've met 
with from Scout the on the creative side has been really good people, and and I I told you this the other night when when we were talking on Twitter, but like everybody is always like I love Charlie Stickney like. I, I when uh, I was talking to I was talking to Fell when uh, the the Commander Rao uh, news dropped and and I mentioned I was like I was like oh yeah and I was like I'm interviewing Charlie and, and they were like oh my god yeah like I'm so excited for that like I will totally check that out and oh, um, Kevin uh, you know Bob Bob and Bob and Kevin mentioned so this is a funny this is a funny story about how I how I uh, backed your White Ash campaign. Um, uh, Kevin is really into hardcovers and mm-hmm. when we were, they were my first pro interview and the podcast I was on, I found out, uh, well, a, so I, I work kind of late. I, I get off at like seven and the guy messed up the time zones. So our whole yeah. podcast was, we made Bob and Kevin wait an hour. Right. Okay. So like already off to really great right, start. Right, right. Uh, and then I find out they, I mean, they are such good guys. They, they could have told us to F off, man. They could have been like, you know what? We, we were gonna, but no, (laughs) you know, like, but they were even, they were like, Hey, like it's already running late. You know, they gave us like an extra hour. They were like, we'll just, we'll do it at this time. Like get your stuff ready, get your crew ready. You know, like let's, no, we don't want to rush anything. We want everything to be chill and fun. And so I get off work and I find out that like, you know, there was, there was four of us on this podcast. I was the only one that read both volumes of metal shark, bro. <laughs> and I was like, Oh my God. I was like, what? Like we haven't even, we haven't all like right. read the book. <laughs> like, oh, like, I was like, Oh God. And so then, so again, like the ship is sinking. <laughs> and, and I was like, I got nervous. So I, I started drinking some beer. Right. And, and I end up by the time we're rolling and talking, uh, I'm, I'm about half lit up. Like I'm, I'm feeling good. <laughs> and so every, I, I started talking to Kevin Cuff about hardcovers and I mentioned, uh, your Kickstarter campaign and they were like, they're like, Oh yeah, Charlie's my dude. And, and I'm like, I was like, yeah, man, like this guy's dick blew up and I backed the Kickstarter <laughs> and they were like, <laughs> every, everybody stopped talking. <laughs> they were like, and, and Kevin was like, what? what did you just say? (laughs) I was like, I was, I was was scrolling through his Kickstarter and and like, there's this like hot sex scene. This guy's dick blew up. And I was like, okay, here's 60 bucks. I want the hardcover. (laughs) And so, yeah, so they ended up being cool. And the interview ended up going well, but yeah, so that was, that was the the day I backed, (laughs) the day I backed white ash and did my first creator interview and just like, yeah, it was a, that's, that's where all the craziness started. <laughs> that's what we in the biz call synergy. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah no, cause I, they were, they were talking about how they thought about doing a hardcover and they were, that's how it kind of came. They were like, they were like, we were going to do a hardcover, but it's so expensive to ship and da, da, da. And I was like, I was like, I'll buy a hardcover. <laughs> like, I'll do it. It's, you know, um, yeah, no, they're great. And, and I, I appreciate you saying that, uh, you know, that people, have said nice things about me. I, I think, you know, it's, it's important that we just re- all realize that we're part of a community together. Mm-hmm. And I always try to keep that, you know, foremost in what I'm doing. And, you know, I mean, like, that's not to say you always are going to like everyone, but you've got to try to be patient with people. And like, I've got two kids. So, you know, like <laughs> you have to have patience to have kids. <laughs> and like, if I can survive my children, I can talk to creators. 
Um, and, and, you know, and I really That's do like about most. the same. <laughs> yeah. I, I really like most of the creators, uh, like 99% of the creators. It's not to say all, but yeah. like, I, and, and, you know, so I try to be, you know, be helpful. Um, you know, and I, th- I think that's part of part of why people don't hate me. Uh, <laughs> is, is, like I'll just say that is that, that I'm trying to be here for them too. Yeah. And I, I see that we're all part of this thing together. Um, but but Bob and Kevin are particularly nice guys. I, I really have enjoyed every interaction I've had with them. Yeah, they're fun. And, they're fun people. And I think Fell's great too. Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing how Commander Rao does in direct market. And uh, you know, she's really talented, and I mm-hmm. think she has a big future in front of her. Yeah, I, I'm I'm really excited for her. And I think I like that book's great too. Like, um, the, I was, I, I got the digital on the Kickstarter. So mm-hmm. that's okay. another thing I kind of like about Scout is like some of these books where, uh, broke Blake could only get the PDF and then you guys re-release it and then I can get the, I'm like, I'm like, Ooh, I could get the, I can get a physical copy now. And so that's cool. And, and we also try to make sure there's something different between the Kickstarter. So like, mm-hmm. um, Commander Rao actually has more pages now in the physical that we're oh, cool. not in the digital. So like things like that, um, you know, like, like I said, White Ash started on Kickstarter, but then moved to Scout. The uh, Scout version has about six more pages than the original um, Kickstarter version did because we expanded some scenes and did some things like that. So, That's cool. so it gives people who have done one the reason to get the other. Okay. Yeah. And then, um, so is that why re- your last Kickstarter, which I mean, wasn't that long ago um, with uh, with the, the, the new Glarian book, mm-hmm. um, it, is that why you, you did that? on Kickstarter is just like, I mean, that's kind of your, that's your comfort zone and you're kind of, so it's, 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 it's a couple of things. One thing is it's, it's also financial. Right. Um, and I also have a fan base there. So, you know, what I'm looking to do right now is I'm going to do the white ash, um, mini series, the prequels, the side series on Kickstarter and try to do like, so like the next arc that's coming out through scout, uh, it's eight issues and almost none of that has come out on Kickstarter. So that's going to be all like, so if you want white ash, you're going to get it through, scout we're doing this glarian series that's going to be five issues um and that's coming out on kickstarter first and then it'll move to scout okay uh and when that's done there's another white ash side series that's supposed to come and they think it's like and and these things will all go towards the bigger story because they're all part of um the the, the big story that i'm telling um because like because like that again going back to the world building that's all planned out and why things seem like they're purposeful like there's you know, I have a timeline that goes back 3000 years. Like, you know, like after I'm all saying all these things about make sure you're telling a story and don't do too much world building. I also do too much world building. <laughs> so, so like, you know, when I sat down with Connor, um, you know, when we started doing white ash, I said, here's this document called the secrets of white ash that you need to read. So you understand what these characters motivations are. Um, because this is who this character is going to turn out to be mm. 30 issues down the road. Now, you know, let's hope we're going to get there. But if we don't, you'll know in the posing, that's why you're going to do this, or this is how this scene is going to play Okay. Out. So like, like there's, there's stuff that's seated right now that, you know, if we get there, you know, if, if people continue buying the series and loving the series, you'll get there. You'll be like, oh my God, I can't believe this was, you know, happening back in issue two. But now I see how that's all played out. Hmm. Um, 
but like so so he has a document that that lets him know who these characters are where they're coming from and when those secrets are going to you know eventually reveal themselves so like like that that's part of like the like you know the the tagline for the season 2 is like same small town all new secrets mm-hmm. because we're we're just rolling forth um like this this second season is more about the back history of the town as we're going forward with the timeline and with with some new villains we're also going back into who these other people are, not just about Alex and Lillian, but who are the people who have made up the town and how do all their stories tie together. Nice. I really like the townsfolk, man. Like, I really, with everything going on and how just intense everything is, like, the the emotional anticipation of just, like, wanting Alec and Lillian to, like, hook up is, like... <laughs> Every time they like get into the heat of the moment, you know, like her, her dad, her, her, not even her dad is freaking army like pulls up in jeeps and assault rifles and storms the woods and he has to like you know run away half naked and, and so like it's, just like just that, them like their relationship and and the uh you know the the mechanics and and his job and the the towns like just that is exciting on top of the the bigger like drama and the magicalness and timelessness of it all like that's what i love about it it's just the minutia is so great on top of yeah i i have a, like i think one of the most fun things for me is because i have all this stuff plotted out of where we're going it's finding those moments in you know of new storytelling when you, you know you're writing these scenes like you've thought about them for a while you know how they can play out but you find these little moments when i think it is that minutia where you're, you're finding new character moments for the townspeople or adding things I, I, I had um, like there's there's something with a golem in a, in a candy store mm-hmm. that, you know, like like that wasn't in the outline. I was like, oh, yeah, you know, like, like but like, who is this guy? What is this shop? What's really going on here? And, like being able to just, like just to seed things in. But then that sparks a story for something later on, things like that. Nice. Um, but yeah, like I do have, um, there's a lot going to happen with the sheriff in okay. the second season too. Like he, he, he's a much bigger character going forward. Um, and, uh, so that's just a little hint for you. I um, love him and his daughter. Yeah. The, like, okay. Yeah. One of the best, one of the, <laughs> oddly the best, uh, moments in white ash is when he has to, he's like, has to take his daughter to work cause she doesn't want to go to school. And so she's like with him at all these kind of like impromptu interrogations and when they when they leave uh the uh Lillian's dad the the you know major yeah. I can't the corporation the, when they're leaving she's like dad why is everyone lying to you and he's like i don't know but we'll figure it out i was like wow man just uh, that little moment was so wonderful yeah, like, like I, I love that like they they're great like there there's there's more coming with them i think awesome. that you're going to really like awesome do you ever have to make yourself slow down when you have this grand scheme and and you have planned so much out like when you're scripting an issue like do you are do you ever have to like kind of check yourself like like you get too excited or something and you're and you you jump to something too quick do you like have you ever is that hard or i I, I don't think so because i've got so much it's like it's like I have a universe that I know that I could tell a lot of different stories in, 
So pacing isn't the problem because I know again where it's going and around when it's supposed to hit there. Um, so 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 no, I don't think so. It's it's just making sure that what's in my mind is getting down onto the paper hmm. cleanly. You know, like be, because there are so many twists and turns that I, that I have, I want to make sure it's translating. Um, because like sometimes as a writer, what's clear in your mind is not playing out. The same foreshadowing is not playing out. Um, so I think, I think that's for me, the thing I always want to make sure is like, make sure you're taking the audience on the journey you want them to be going on. Okay. So you're, you're, you seem to be a very like structured and organized writer. I, I, I am to, you know, to a certain extent, um, like it came from like, I, I wrote screenplays for a long time, you know, which, which had a very rigid structure. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and then when I was going back to comics, I spent a lot of time reading, you know, what people were currently doing because that was very different than when I was reading comics in the eighties and the nineties. Um, you know, like reading saga, reading, um, uh, uh, deadly class reading, you know, like, like reading some of the things that were popular now just to see where storytelling had gone to, you know, what, you know, what kind of risks people were taking, what kind of formatting people were doing. Um, so, so, so I, I am very deliberate in, in a lot of the things that I'm doing, but try to give myself the flexibility to be organic in the moment. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, I don't, I don't know. I've never heard of like someone, and I don't know like all the secrets of writing, like by any means, but uh, like to have like a secret, like the secret white ash document that's like under lock and key, like that you gave to your artists. Like I, I don't hear a lot of, I expect like some of the artists uh, I've talked to, like, I've been, like have been like, you know, like I'll read like a treatment and then like, they, they tell me that like, they, they don't even want to read scripts early. Like they read them as, as like they need to on a deadline. Cause they, they want like that chapter or issue to be like, you know, fresh and, and they don't want to like spoil that, that like emotion and the things that they get within that, those 20 pages. Like they don't want that to blend in with something that they've read. That's like five issues down the line or six issues down the line or so. Um, it, which that kind of shocked me. Cause I was like. I mean, as you know, and again, like I'm not an artist, so like, I don't, I don't know what that mentality is like, but, uh, Sean, Sean Daly was the one who kind of mentioned that he's with source point. And he was like, he was like, yeah, I, he's like, I don't even really like read scripts till I have to. And, and he's yeah. like an amazing I, artist. And I was just like, I was like, Whoa, like, <laughs> that's crazy. Well, I, I also think it depends on what your relationship with, with the, you know, the artist is. Yeah. Um, so like, so Connor is my partner in white ash You know, he has a co-creator credit uh, on the book. Um, so, so like when I'm working with Connor, he's also as deliberate of an artist mm -hmm. as I am as a writer. So he spends a lot of time considering every little detail of things. Okay. Um, you know, like, like he's the kind of artist who will do four layouts of a page sometimes. Oh, wow. And he's thinking about posing and um, camera angle for maximum impact. And how does this page compare to something that's going to happen later on? So we'll have a lot of conversations um, about intentionality because he wants to, you know, be, you know, have the same kind of thing in his art that I do in my writing. So it's, it's a really nice synergy and he's a really, you know, he's a very thoughtful, intelligent man. Um, and, and so like that's, that's great. Um, and that he's able to add things like you want someone who's a partner, who's building the world with you yeah. and he, you know, he, he loves it and he's trying to, you know, to build everything you know, alongside me. So yeah, his art is phenomenal. I mean, there's just every, Every page is beautiful. And, and I love how the, 
the town is kind of a character. Or yeah. It's it's totally a character as well. Yeah, and he's like, gotten so like he was good, but if you look at the evolution of his art to where it is for this most recent issue, it's it's next level. Yeah, and like like there's a couple of spreads that always just blow my mind. Um, there's a funeral spread. Like if you go back and you look at it, it's just like so mm-hmm. detailed and absolutely gorgeous. And Finn Cram, who does the colors, also just nails it. Um, like that one's just beautiful. There's another like half spread that's for um, that's in a bar, uh, like that's in um, in in uh, uh, the diner in Sif's diner, um, like that's opening uh, you know t- toward the end of uh, the first arc. That's just gorgeous. So like he, he's like he's done some really great work. But I I look you know at the evolution of the characters and everything and just like what he did in this last issue and the stuff that's that's coming out. It's 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 mind blowing. I like too how. The way you're utilizing, how you've mentioned your kind of, the way you're, you're structuring and releasing it, how like Kickstarters, like your is more for like the, the minis and the one shots and the, to explore the world and the history of, of white ash, like in and outside of, of our world, you know, um, the, the one that they're, that they're shut off to now that they're trying to get back to, but I love how you're using, other artists um you know like i mean even the the glarian one shot that that had like the three minis in it that yeah all, that, that scout actually put out um but i mean like the 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 different art like i just i like that and i think it's really cool too that because of your name being on that you know you're going to move issues and and the following of white ash is is going to make it move issues and i love that you're bringing in other artists i like how uh, burn is doing the same thing with like Jessamy and steak mm-hmm. with Kickstarter and, and bringing in these artists to do variants and stuff. And it's just like, I mean, I, I can, I think a lot of people may see it as like a, and it's not really a cash grab, but it's just, you know, like, you know, the variants and stuff get expensive, but I mean, you guys are also getting these names out there. Like you're, you're bringing in talent and, sure. and giving them work. And I just, I think that's, I, I love how you guys give back to the community and like, share the wealth in, in a sense, you know, like you're, and I think that's why everybody speaks so highly or one of the, you're just a cool dude, but like, I, I mean, that's one. Of- <laughs> I don't know about that, but um, you know, like, but you know, I, I do think, um, yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to, to, to find good people to work with. And, um, you know, I, I've been very fortunate in that, you know, I've worked with Connor, but also, you know, like Yishan who did one of the shorts for is, is incredible. And Romana Marinelli, who's doing uh, the Glaring miniseries, who also did, um, you know, one of the shorts. She's also just mind-blowing. And then, you know, the cover artists that I, I've gotten to work with, some incredible people. Just, yeah. over, over my, you know, like this short amount of time. Like, I got to work with, um, I don't know if you know Nick Robles, who's yeah. also been on, like, like, he did, he's done two pinups for me. Because, you know, I was working with him five or six years ago before, you know, he was working on DC and <laughs> at IDW and all these other places places um you know and he's great like he's just so incredibly talented um but you know like like just let you know like there's a jay lee cover coming out i saw that next white ass which is very pretty you know like like (laughs) he he was like one of when i was uh reading comics voraciously in the the late 80s early 90s when he started doing namor um and he like came on i think he was 22 at the time it was like his stuff was mind blowing. So like he was one of the first artists early on. I was like, who is this? Oh, he's doing this splatter ink thing. I like this. I'm gonna try to get it with my toothbrush and dip <laughs> in the ink and splatter things too. 
because that's what he was kind of doing. Um, but you know, his looked good. Mine looked like splattered ink. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but like yeah, so like you know, I've I've worked with you know like getting to work with him, getting to work with Nick, but also um, you know just so many young artists up and coming um, that I've gotten to see their careers grow uh, and, and, and get to work with and give them some space to do their interpretations um, or, um, you know, like just give them a chance to showcase their talents and, and pay them for it. Because I think like that's the other thing is I try to always pay as much as I can for, for everything. I'm not looking to, you know, to, to nickel and dime people. Yeah. Um, you know, and, um, and I think a lot of people do that in this industry because there's not that much of in this industry but when you know when you have kickstarters that do well you can afford to pay people real money mm. and that's you know, like so again that's also the thing that kickstarter's done for me it's let me pay artists living wages you know hopefully um and, and and pay more than they usually get from a lot of people that's cool yeah i mean especially i mean there's right now there's there's some new like i i got to read a really cool comic and i, I mean i'm not gonna like name drop people and and I, I don't i don't like to do that but like this this guy is a very talented storyteller and he's a, he, a lot of people like him and he's a good indie dude and he got a book that is at a press that has a lot of a lot of people have like a bad taste in their mouth about them right now. And I'm starting to see why. And like, I mean, like they are kind of holding his comic hostage and it's like, you know, like it, it was, it it had a release, it's had like four different release dates and they keep not releasing it. And it's just like, I, I don't, you know, so it's, it's, it's so heartbreaking to see stories like that and to see some creators that are like left so helpless and like, can't do anything about it and then to like hear you know people like you who like go out of your way to help the people that you're working with like that's and and i think it's it's tough i know the situation that you're referencing and i i think it's likely what happened there is that company is going through some really hard times Mm -hmm. right and they're not handling it as well as they could and they're not being as upfront about it as they should be right um so you know i I think it's always important that creators read their contracts over um you know i i I think that's the other thing is i always try to be very upfront with people um when i have conversations with creators who are looking to come to scout and i'll say this is what you can expect you know ask me anything i'm happy to be open with you right now because i want you to know what this partnership entails yeah um and you know and and then like if things go great great if things don't go as well as they were hoping they would go at least they knew ahead of time Mm -hmm. this is how it's going to play out um and then you know and and then we always part on good terms because they know you know where i'm coming from on everything because i i'm not going to hold you know like creators like sometimes it's really hard to get numbers from a company like i don't know how my book is selling you know like someone dm me today is like hey you know do we have numbers yet i was like hold on let me check yeah here's exactly what you sold nice. you know and let me give you the numbers right now um because it's not my information to hoard you know this is a creator-owned company the creators should know what's up um for better or worse right yeah um you know and we're in this together and we're going to hope that their books do you know as well as they possibly can um and that we all make a lot of money together or make some money together <laughs> Um, but, but, you know, like, but I, I think like that situation, it, it seems difficult for, you know, for, for that creator and for some other creators. And, you know, 
and, and it goes in cycles. Different publishers have, um, you know, I, I would say there was a time that, um, you know, I only say this because everyone loves them now, where Boom didn't have as good of a name with creators. Yeah. Uh, you know, but now creators seem to love Boom, you know, and, and I think they're putting out some amazing books. Um, so, you know, like sometimes the, the, the ship can write itself um, and, and sometimes the company goes under. And I think that's why, you know, this is my message to any creator, um, whether they're coming to scout or whether they're going someplace else, make sure you know what happens if something happens to that company with your mm. property. You, know, you, you want to know how do you get it back? How do you, you know, how can you extricate it from that company if the company goes under, if it gets bought, if it's, you know, because it can be a volatile industry and you want to protect yourself yeah. or at least know what's going to happen. Yeah. Cause I mean, I could see my, my goal, right. Is to, and I mean, I don't even, I don't even have anything to pitch yet. So like, don't, I'm not going to like try and pitch you a comic or anything right now, <laughs> but like, I would love to <laughs> turn like my, you know, this comic journalism part the the networking and stuff I'm making. Uh, even if even if it's just to have someone to ask about how to do something on Kickstarter, you know, like when I'm ready to do that, you know, that's that's the goal. I would love to make a comic book one day, but I could see like, you know, being that hungry and and someone like offering you a bite to eat and and maybe taking that first bite when you shouldn't. Yeah. You know, yeah. like I, I feel like that could happen real easily with like hungry artists and writers. And it's just like, oh, they're giving me a shot. And it's like, maybe these aren't the people you want to give you the shot, you know, like, so. And, and it's hard because you don't, you're worried you're never going to get another shot. Exactly. You know, is is this, you know, is this the best place? Is this the only place? And you're trying to weigh those two different options, which is why, you know, going back to, I feel like if you come through Kickstarter, you feel empowered because you maybe have already made enough money to pay for your book. Mm -hmm. So, you know, going to a publisher is about expanding the audience. It's not getting yourself out of the whole, you know, the debt that you put yourself into to make the book. Um, it just puts you in a different category. Yeah. And then, then you can be a little bit more picky about which deal you want to take. Is that it? I mean, would you, would you say that, cause I think this, the, the stigma of Kickstarter, I think is about dead. Like I, I cause you know, that it used to be, it, yes. it used to be yes. like liter like, like literature, short stories and poetry yeah. and stuff where people yeah. would be like, Oh, you self-published. Oh, mm -hmm. you know, like, and, sure. and it, I think that's almost gone. That mentality of Kickstarter. Cause there's, a wealth of wonderful things, both in comics, literature, video games, yep. board games, gadgets you can use around your house. Like there's so much cool stuff on Kickstarter. The quality has risen. I think Expe people's expectations for Kickstarter campaigns have, have risen too. Cause right. they're, you know, but I mean, I've often heard people say that the, the freedom of Kickstarter is really great for a creative, but like on top of that freedom, like to kind of, be outside of the realms of like those contractual obligations and stuff that, that come with signing on to publishers. I know sometimes that has good things with it as well, but like to kind of take that all on your own shoulders, like if you're able to bear the weight, like, I mean, I mean, obviously you've had great success here, but I mean, is, yeah. is that kind of the way, I mean, for, for like new storytellers, like they say right now is the best time to put out content. Cause even if I, like, I, I think like, I, I think, you owe it to yourself to try, yeah. you know, to see how it fits for you. Um, because at the end of the day, the minute you go to, a, a, you know, you're bringing on partners, 
no matter how that publisher functions, you're giving up something mm. because you're bringing in a partner. Okay. When you're on Kickstarter, it's just you, right? And and, and it's your vision. And if it's you and the artist that's, that are doing it together, or if it's you just as the writer looking for the money and you're running your own company, it's, yeah, so you can do the story. So I, I don't necessarily say it's going to change your creative approach because like like at Scout, we're not looking to, to change the creative vision of someone we're you know, we might give them an editor to work with them to help hone their creative vision, but we're not looking to change the book they're doing. Okay. That said, um, you know, I mean, like there's, there's the, the, the profit split. There's, um, you know, you know, what, if there's IP that's involved in the deal that you're making with the publisher or things like that. So like, there's all these other things that come into play the minute you bring on another partner because you're, you're intertwining your brand with theirs mm. and, you know, for better or worse, you guys are now joined. And so there are, there are obligations to that, that you have to meet and, and there are benefits from it. You know, there should be benefits. Um, but when you're doing things on Kickstarter, you, you know, it's easier to plan sometimes because you know what the parameters are. Um, and, you know, you might have a sense of how well you're going to do. Like the biggest adjustment for me was like the direct market is a different beast than Kickstarter. So figuring out how to do well in the direct market versus how to do well in the Kickstarter market are two different things. Okay. Um, because I think with the Kickstarter market, you're playing to fans. You're playing to the creators. In the direct market, you have to play to retailers mm. because they are the gatekeepers who are going to decide how many of your book they order. You know, pre-orders, you know, we always try to push to get pre-orders in, but they only move the needle very, you know, it's a very small movement of the needle. At the end of the day, it's how do the retailers feel about you? Do they feel about the company? Do they feel about the book? Um, and they make the decision of like how many they're going to order. And then it's on the shelf. And then if people buy it, maybe they'll order more. It's like, that's where the people come in. But that's so many steps removed versus Kickstarter. It's like, here, mm. if you like this thing, buy it. And people do and they come and you build a fan base. So Yeah, I've noticed, I, I noticed reading uh, issue five. So, I, you know, like a lot of the Kickstarters, I get, I love how like, you know, the, the names are in the back. Uh, you, the, you acknowledge the pledges and stuff. And, you know, like your the names in the back of your book i always yeah. feel like you like, you, you keep turning the page like up oh, there's more there's more there's more so like you could definitely yeah, see like how I, the audience um, grows from issue to issue with you so, so like the first book we did we didn't print right like like it was actually a print page in the back of oh, the really? kickstarter <laughs> yeah I, and, and then it just got to a point where i was like i, I can't do that because my print costs are going to balloon too much <laughs> if i do the backers because i can't add eight to 14 pages to this yeah. book of, of, of backer names and i want to support everyone so we'll just do that digitally yeah that's funny i didn't i didn't even think about that about that adding to the, the yeah. page because yeah those a, a page costs money to print like it does it does and the book gets heavier it costs more to ship yeah wow. so. <laughs> The, so the, the blessings and the curse of like the massive yeah. Kickstarter fall, which is funny because I, uh, I mean, it's, it's cool, but like, I'm, you know, I, I'm not buying Kickstarter books to like see my name in the right. back of it, you know, right. like right. what's funny is I keep going back and forth because they always ask, you know, like, how do you want your name to appear? And I always say Blake Morgan. But like, since the last couple months, I've, I'm like, should I start putting Blake's buzz in there in case like someone reads like, oh, like yeah. Blake's, <laughs> I don't know. That's just something stupid I think about. But yeah, I, I thought that was really uh, an, an issue in issue five of, of White Ash, which is, is, is issue one of season two, right? With some extra it, pages. Yeah. Like, I think there's like uh, five, might be, 
there's a, there's a couple of extra pages that we've nice. added to it and, and blown that up. And um, but yeah, but going forward, everything else has not been on Kickstarter. So there's another seven issues that are in the pipeline right now. That's that exciting. All, yeah, so. that's I, I'm I'm stoked, man. Like it's uh, I I remember when I I could you know getting that hardcover, and I got, I'm a sucker for a hardcover, and it's a very beautiful hardcover, and and like you know just made well and feels well to read and open and you don't have to like wrestle it open it opens nicely it's like invites you to read it um and you know like i i you know tore that they were four it's only four issues but you're they're meatier issues they're longer it's probably like five 52 pages the first issue yeah so it's it's like six issues of content 32 and then the last one is 40 pages so yeah yeah like um yeah it's like a it's a basic full-length trade just yeah yeah, yeah. it's a hundred there's 170 something pages for that trade yeah i i ate that like i consumed it in like a couple hours like i just like opened it read it and i was like oh and then like i was like wow and then luckily i had issue five uh because that came with the kickstarter too right Right, right, and and then I read that, and then like I just it, it's a great feeling, and also kind of terrible when like you're so excited and you finish reading something, and and you like feel this great loss, and you're like I'm out of it, like it's gone until later. <laughs> I did the binging, you know, like I didn't have to wait like <laughs> yeah. everyone else did from issue one to issue two to issue three, but issue four, no, yeah, like now now it's like months and months, and uh, but I mean, it, good things come to those who wait, yeah. right? So that, yeah. But yeah, I, I'm I'm very excited. It's I, I, if it's like you saying that it, you've got like 60 issues in the can too. Like that's that's exciting. That, that's the plan. That's the plan. Like there's um I would say the first the first big arc wraps up um will probably be another see it's eight so there's there's another 20 issues to the end of the first big arc. Wow. You know so like so we'll definitely do the next 20 issues and then i have the next three arcs after that planned out but you know it's like one of those things where you want to make sure that people are along for each of the rides yeah. so there will be you know at this point there will be at least another 20 issues you know, of white ash you know minimum that's all becky is going to be so excited when i tell her this tomorrow <laughs> she's <laughs> she's been real she's been real hyped about like she's, she's super supportive of like my blog and stuff but like yeah. when i when i she well she introduced me to your writing and white ash and stuff and when i told her you were coming on the show she was like she was like oh my god that's so cool and i was like i know and so like yeah she's she's a bigger white ash fan than i am and she's, she, she's one of my favorite people that I've she's met. awesome um, man yeah. and, and she like she's like pr for your book like she yeah, tells I, everybody I, to read it <laughs> I, I appreciate it i really do so. Uh, so yeah, she'll she'll definitely get a kick out of that when I when I'm like, hey, guess what I found out last we, night? We, we've got plenty in the pipeline. <laughs> Although she may be trying to find out that secret document now that she knows that it exists. Yeah, probably, I'm happy with that too. You'll be you'll be getting so. DMs tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I, I, it's, I know it's getting late. Um, real quick. I don't know if you wanted to talk about it or not. You mentioned the other night you've got a new Kickstarter coming. Uh, I don't know exactly when it's going to be yet. I'm still okay. wrapping up the art, but I, you know, there's a chance um, I'll have a Kickstarter dropping sometime in October. Uh, and that is more of a thriller in the vein of um, how to way, how to get away with murder meets house of cards meets um, the girlfriend experience. Um, so, you know, sexy thriller set in college. <laughs> um, but we'll see. Well, like, like the, there's, there's, 
Hopefully that's going to happen sometime in October. And then I'm going to do another quick Kickstarter for a book called The Game. Look at the second issue of that coming out. And then that whole series is going to drop through Scout um, late next year as well. Awesome. And then Galarian, the second Kickstarter for Galarian will probably be in uh, March to April of next year, which will be for the next 52 pages of that book. Very cool. I love her so much. Like yeah, that yeah, was, a great I read that, I read that Galarian one shot before I read White Ash. And I, I've, I've been hearing a lot of people who that's their gateway to White Ash and I'm, you know, I'm really happy because like that, that one shot was, I really love the way it came out. Uh, and I'm glad that I'm going to be able to expand. Like we, there may be a second glaring miniseries in the works after this one. So we'll see. We'll just see how people like it. Yeah. I, she's, she's very cool. And so is Lily. Like, I love how, how similar like Lillian is and, and also how wildly different she is too. Mother and daughter. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's how it goes. So, but, but I, yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm so excited and this was so cool, man. Like, thank you so much for coming on yeah, the show. Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me on. And, uh, you know, I'm happy to come back sometime. So just let me know and we'll set something else up. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, I'm I'm always I'm always down to help get the word out about a Kickstarter. I don't think you necessarily need it because <laughs> I feel I, like you're just, uh, I mean, you're you're kind of Kickstarter kickstart notorious, man. You're, you're I, like, <laughs> like I, I've been, like I said, I've been very lucky to build a good community on that platform. Yeah. So. You deserve it. You, no, you work, you. you work hard. You take good care of your people and you tell great stories, sir. So no, everything you. that came your way, you've worked for and deserve. And, well, and, and this person's humble opinion, even though I'm a Chiefs fan. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but good, good luck to you with your podcast. I, I, I'm really enjoying watching it grow and uh, everything that you're doing online. And I'm rooting for you hundred percent. I appreciate it, man. That's I, I'm going to print that out. I, I always tell people when, when creators say nice things to me, I, I print stuff out and hang it on the refrigerator. The refrigerator of my heart. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, Charlie. Again, this was so cool, man. Um, I'm I'm excited uh, for I, I've got your I've got the pre-order in with Comics oh, on the you. Green for Volume One, and uh, they, I, I've been promised to get some of the goodies you sent them. Yeah, so. <laughs> I, I sent them some good swag. You know, I want, I want to hook them up. So yeah, uh, hopefully. And if it doesn't come back to you, let me know, and I'll, I'll send some your way. <laughs> Awesome. All right. Well, Charlie, have a great night, man. And and again, like best of luck to you in future endeavors. I love Scout. I'm so glad to be on your guys' press list and I'm proud to review your comics and, and I enjoy every single moment of it. Like seriously. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Well, you have a good night. All right. You too, bud.